Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. In just a moment, I want to make mention of a few things really quickly. Uh, next Steps, come on, we had some people that uh, went through step one of Next Steps today during the 9 a.m. service. If you've never done that, we'll have another one coming up in a couple of months. But if you have been through step one, which is the part about our vision, uh, but you've never joined a team or you've never... Uh, you've never gone through step two and discovered your gifts, maybe what God has gifted and what he's put inside of you to do and how you can fulfill your purpose, uh, we would encourage you to go ahead and sign up for that. That's next Sunday during the 9 a.m. service. And uh, it's awesome that we have the ability to do this uh, as a part of one of our services now because you have the built-in child care and, and all of that stuff. You don't have to come back on another night. It's just amazing that we have that opportunity. And so keep that in mind. You can still register for step two if you want to be a part of that and go through that. Serve Day this coming Saturday, October the 9th. We're going to be at the food pantry downtown, and uh, we're going to be stocking shelves, getting things ready for those that uh, the food pantry is going to be able to bless in the coming week. And so we encourage you, be there at 9 a.m. and serve with us. Come on, it, it usually takes about 45 minutes or so to do that. It's great fellowship, get to meet some new people, and uh, serve and be the hands and feet of Jesus. So this coming Saturday, October the 9th at 9 a.m. at the food pantry. We would love to see you there. Next Saturday, October the 16th, is our men's breakfast. We do this once a month. Usually it's on the third Saturday of the month. And so you can kind of mark that down if you're a guy. Uh, but this time is going to be a little bit different because we are moving. We are officially moving the men's breakfast to be here at the church. And so uh, we've been, yeah, come on, it's awesome. So we're going to be fixing, fixing breakfast and having some good food and fellowship and uh, some devotion time. It's just an awesome time. We've been meeting at Roadhouse Diner, but uh, we're going to be able to gather right here at this place and uh, just seek God together and have great fellowship as men. So we're looking forward to that. So mark that 8 a.m. on October the 16th. Uh, Fields of Faith is next Wednesday. And let me tell you, if you've never been a part of Fields of Faith, uh, this is about the fourth year, I believe, or something like that, that our church has been a part of this. It's multiple churches coming together and different youth groups and congregations and all of these uh, churches joining together for one night for a couple of hours to worship and hear a message. And it's going to be an awesome time. So that's October the 13th, Wednesday night uh, at 6 o'clock. It's going to be at the Civic Center. It's actually out in the parking lot. Uh, this time of year, the weather has just been, every time we've had it, it's like the weather has just been wonderful. And so we're going to be out in the parking lot. It's going to be roped off. It's going to be an awesome time. Come on, let's get together and let's let's come together as one church out, at, you know, just in the community, lifting up the name of Jesus and learning and growing together. Uh, it's going to be incredible. So October the 13th, 6 p.m., don't forget about that. And then we also have uh, another made new weekend, which is our baptism, water baptism Sunday uh, coming up, and we would like for you to get registered for that. So if you have been, uh, you've been a believer, you've been following Jesus for some time, but you've never been water baptized, I believe it's important, we believe as a church that it's important that you follow Jesus in water baptism. And so we would ask you to go online. The reason we want you to go online and register and let us know is because uh, we give you a shirt that you can wear. We try to take all of the the, uh, the, the walls out of it, all the boundaries out of it, right, to make it as easy as possible. We'll have the towels ready. We'll have the shirts ready, all of that stuff ready for you. Come on, the water's usually warm. Can I get an amen right there, somebody? 
And uh, we just want to be prepared for you and celebrate with you. So go on the app or on our website and, uh, and let us know that you want to be water baptized and we'll celebrate with you. And I'm going to pull up this last thing uh, really quickly. As you know, we've had uh, for the, the retreat that's coming up in November, there's been a fundraiser going on the whole month of September out in the lobby. And uh, all of that money, all of those funds are going to make sure that, uh, that, that all the students that want to participate, that it's all going toward making sure that they're able to get there and they're able to be a part of this retreat and this time away with the Lord. And so I wanted to give you uh, the total amount that was raised through that, uh, through your generosity, was $1,241.47. Come on, give yourself a hand. <laughs> That's incredible. That's amazing. Just in, you know, four Sundays time. That's that's amazing. Um, and also on your way out today, we have a special presentation. Um, on your way out today, when you when you walk out into the lobby, you're going to go right out into the parking lot and it's all going to be set up. And uh, the winner of that, whoever had the most in their jar is going to be getting a pie in the face. And uh, I don't know is is I'm looking for him. I don't know if he's in here. He's, he's out in the lobby. Okay. Do what? He left. He ran away. <laughs> he took off. Uh, the winner who got the most money is going to be getting the pie in the face is our very own David Newman. Come on, give it up for David. He has, he graciously agreed to this and uh, knowing what the consequence might be. And so <laughs> on your way out today, it's going to be fun to watch as uh, as he gets the pie in the face. Just really uh, in, in good spirits of just being able to raise money for these kids and these students to be able to go on this retreat. And it's just amazing. Uh, and we want to thank you for your generosity in that way. And we're going we're gonna to be uh, continuing our series. Last weekend, we began a six-week series on the book of Ephesians. And so we're going to be continuing that today. Uh, and you're in for a special treat because a few weeks ago, uh, my wife and I, we were we were out on the front porch, and, and I know I've told you before, if you've been here, I told you I'm not, you know, much for getting up early in the mornings, but I like the morning time. And so when I get up, uh, we've kind of formed this this habit. We like going out, especially with the cooler weather. We like going out on the front porch, and we'll sit down, and we'll just kind of talk and read our Bibles and, and uh, drink coffee or something like that. And it's just a, it's a, it's a great time for us. And just a few weeks ago, we were doing that. And uh, we were talking, and I was talking about this series and, and just where God was taking our church and where we were going in the next several weeks and, and uh, just really excited about it. And then she began to share, you know, what she felt like the Lord was speaking to her. And I don't know if you've ever had, uh, she has a serious, um, I believe, and, I, you know, I might be a little bit biased, but she has a gift on her life. I believe that the Holy Spirit works through her just in incredible ways uh, that, that sometimes you can't even really explain. And she began to talk about, what it was that God was putting on her heart and what she felt like the Lord was speaking. And I had the thought, like, this is ex like this would be exactly what our church needs to hear. And in the series that we were going into, it would be perfect for week two of our series. So come on, you have the, the opportunity to hear from my wife. And I believe that this is a word for you today. So come on, will you welcome her to the platform? I love you, baby. All right. Can you hear me? Maybe. Sorry, we've had fits with this. They're, they're so gracious, those sound people. They're so gracious with me. Okay. Well, I am so excited to be here um, to be able to share with you and just something that I feel like the Lord's brought to my heart, but most of all, just to share with you from Ephesians 2. Um, 
So I'm going to pray, and then we are going to get into it. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that your word is alive and active. And God, as we just talk about Ephesians 2 today, I pray, Lord, that you just reveal yourself. God, because it's not about what we think about it, it's what are you saying about it. And God, we pray, Lord, that you show us that today. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for this day and each and every person that's here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I am, once again, just honored to be able to share with you um, from Ephesians 2. And it was actually really cool. Um, as I've mentioned before, often I feel like the Lord might give me something and then I just make note of it and just wait, just hold on to it. But then I just shared it with Gabriel and he was like, oh, this is perfect. Um, <laughs> And so I am excited to share with you from Ephesians 2. And if you want, if you're taking notes, um, what I felt that most of all we can get from Ephesians 2 is called Out with the Old, In with the New. So we're going to start verse 1 through 3. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient, we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. I think that a lot of times we think of sin as action, but I believe that this word dead actually shows us that we were dead in our trespasses. It shows us that sin is actually a condition of the heart. And really, sin, in essence, if you look at it, the word has the letter I in it because sin's an I problem. It's a human problem that we have. It's, it's the flesh. But it's not about what we do or don't do. It's about Jesus and his righteousness. Verse 4 goes on to say, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You, I went through verse 5 because it's just so good. You are saved by grace. I believe this is one of the biggest conjunctions in the Bible ever, but God. We deserved wrath. And I think that in this, in this world, we could easily look around and feel deserving of earthly things, yet I think that we can also quickly forget we deserved wrath, but God. We were helpless and hopeless, but God. And I want to pause here for a second because I believe that there's a lot of things in our life that can happen and we can say, well, my marriage is falling apart, but God. Well, my finances, they feel like they're in ruins, but God. Well, I feel like he's leading me to a new dream, but I don't have the money, I don't have the means, I don't have the people, but God. And I would even venture to say but God dot 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 because the dot 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 is up to him let him work because but God he not only saved us but he made us alive that we're not dead even though we were not deserving salvation came as a gift simply because he is rich in his mercy which is what verse 4 tells us and because of his great love that he had for us and when we accept him as our savior we escape the curse of death on us and we live again through him i believe that even as believers there's a lot of us that walk around and we kind of feel dead on the inside and that today we can say i am made alive in him 
And it doesn't matter what I feel or what I see, I am made alive in him because his word says so. But that there are three things that I believe that we could understand about salvation, we need to understand, is that the clause, which is grace, it means he did it all. The word this in Greek, in this same scripture, is there because both the gift of salvation and the faith to believe was given to us. Not because we deserve it, but those were both gifts. So he gave us salvation, but then he also gave us the gift of faith to be able to believe. The means, faith is the hand which takes hold of and receives that gift of salvation. It is how what Jesus died for becomes ours. Faith is not a religious feeling, but it's the belief that Christ accomplished it all, just like he said. And we can rest in that truth. And then third is the effects, and it's good works. I'm the type of person, I'm going to be honest, I'll get caught up in good works. We've been in this grow group with the ladies. It's called Get Out of Your Head based on the book of Philippians. And being reminded of how we can allow our mind to take us places and for myself, even get more focused on doing good works for God than I actually am personally focused on God himself. And I believe that as we focus on him, good works will come because God is good. And he does good things. And he put us on this earth to be the hands and feet of him. And so with that, when we receive him, good works will just flow from us. We'll be led to obey and do something that we didn't even think about. We'll be led to step out in whatever capacity. But good works will simply flow from that. Although we at times feel helpless and hopeless in our sins, we can depend on the but God of scripture to give us hope today. Because scripture says that he was motivated by love and he extended that grace. That grace is God's gift that's received and not earned. Just as Romans eleven six reminds us that it's by grace that we're saved, not by our works. Verse 5, I'm going to read it again and you're going to find me repeating them. But hey, it's God's word and you're just going to hear it multiple times. So made us, he made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace even though even though and I believe that we're going to skip down just for a moment because verse 11 says so then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh which just simply meant you were sinners you were when you, even when you weren't saved but the one thing that really stuck out to me was so he wants us to remember not dwell on the fact that we were dead in our trespasses that we were sinners, that we really are. We're still, you know, struggle with sin. But here's the thing. I, I believe that there could be two different types of maybe different scenarios in this. As I was studying for this, I felt like he reminded me of when I came to know Jesus. Um, I was really, I, I was blessed to have parents that loved God, that raised me and my siblings in the church, that raised us to be in the word. But I still recall the time kneeling by my bunk bed in the home we were living in and receiving Jesus. But I felt like he reminded me not in a not in a like demeaning way because God's not like that, but in a in a kind loving way. He said, "Amanda, you you lived a life knowing me. But I don't even realize what it feels like to really be lost and dead in sin because I've always been made alive since a very young age. But that he wants me to recall, to remember what I would be without him. 
And I think that as a human, it would be easy to say, well, I'm pretty good at this. That's only Holy Spirit working through me. That's all that is. It's not about our own skills and our own talents. It's about him. Or maybe you're on the flip side of that and dead in your trespasses, and it was later in life where you found Jesus. Or maybe you were lost for, you were saved, and then, and then you lost your way and you came back to him. But I believe that maybe in here there are some that you struggle with constantly dwelling on how you're dead in your trespasses and all the mistakes you've made and all the things you've done wrong. But God said he's made you alive and he's made you new. And he can, he can work with that. He loves to work with that. But today, I think that there are three things that kind of keep us locked in those trespasses. And one is when we get focused on the world and the ways of this world, what culture tells us we should be. Two is the enemy, the ruler of the power of the air. It said that in verse, let's find it again, I'm sorry, up there at the beginning, right there in verse 2. It says, according to the ruler of the power of air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. It actually refers to the enemy as the power of air. But when I was actually studying about the word worship, do you know that they actually, if you study the, where worship actually comes from, it actually means you move the air. So I, as a believer, when I choose to worship, even though the enemy may be the prince of the air, I get to move that. I can move that because Christ dwells within me, and the same goes for you. And then third is the flesh. So the world, if we get focused on that, the enemy, or our flesh. You know, Friday we had the privilege of gathering for our first flourish night, and I read this scripture, it was the basis of our night, but it just fits so perfectly with talking about being dead in our trespasses. And it's Isaiah 58, 11. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And I believe that today, whether or not you feel like a graveyard, whether you feel dead, you feel like bones, that God said he promises that you, whatever your name is, that he will make you like a well-watered garden, not a graveyard. He will strengthen you today. Apart from God, we are dead. We were dead. But in him, we are made alive because of his love and mercy. And in that verse, he also goes on to say, yet. Well, there's all these things, yet he made us alive. We were, are still broken as humans, but in him we're made whole and alive. But God makes us bountiful. Ezekiel 36, 26. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone. So you once had a heart of stone, but he's given you a heart of flesh. And it even goes on right after that to say, I will place my spirit within you. Mm. We receive a new heart. We receive new we, we can receive, and we have, to choo we have to choose to receive that being made alive. When God saves us, he makes us alive, which changes our desires. And when our desires change, our actions do as well. Verse 6, I'm not going to stay here for very long because Gabriel actually hit on this last week and said it so well, I felt like, but how he seated us in heavenly places says he also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus 
He's seated us in heavenly places. And just as Gabriel had mentioned, it's already been done. You're already seated. You're not here on earth trying to strive. I've got to get to the heavenly places. If you've asked him in your heart, yes, good works will come. But you're not trying to earn a place there. It is yours when you ask him into your heart and you follow after him. I want to encourage you, truly all, when we felt like the Lord was like, let's, you know, he was saying, I really feel like we're supposed to do an Ephesians series. The point is not what we even have to say. I'm telling you from my perspective and what I studied and what I believe it's saying, but I want to encourage you, even after I share, go home and read it again and ask him, what are you trying to say here? Because it's really not about what I think about it or what you think about it. It's what he wants to say. He wrote it. It's his. It's a living word, and he wants to speak to you. Just a little side note. (laughs) Verse 8. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. I mean, he's repeating this, but I think it's because maybe as humans he knew, you're going to quickly try to forget this. That you're not saved by works. You're saved by grace through faith. And he wants us to remember we're saved by grace through faith. Verse 9 goes on to say, not from works so that no one can boast. We aren't saved by good works, but for good works. The good works he prepared in advance for us. And it says even in Matthew five sixteen, you don't have to turn there but I would encourage you to write it down to look at later, that a good work is a divinely prescribed action that benefits others in such a way that God is glorified. It's not about doing it for him, but it's about letting him work through you. And when I say don't do, it's not about doing it for him, I don't mean, I mean, Colossians, I believe it's in Colossians, do everything we do wholeheartedly as unto the Lord, right? So we do all that we do to glorify him. But I, I, I know from, I can only speak personally for myself. I'll get caught up in, but Lord, do you not see all the things I'm doing for you? Where he has to call me back and say, mm, check your heart. I love you, even if you never did another thing. But we will do good works because he's in us. And as we pursue him, he will lead us to. When we understand the grace With which God saved us, gratitude will drive our response to it. Just as I was saying, remembering, I'm so thankful that I I really don't know a life without without God. I have had dark seasons um, where truly I ask the Lord, where are you? I know his word promises he never leaves me nor forsakes me, and that's for all of us. But there were moments of that, but I'm thankful that he has never left me. But just that reminder that if we will focus on what he did for us, it will always lead us to a place of gratitude. Gratitude, which will drive our actions. I read this this quote that the canvas doesn't dictate to the painter. The painter dictates to the canvas. But even though scripture consistently tells us he prepared good works in advance for us to do, I think that a lot of times... We're the canvas trying to tell him what to paint. But he said he already prepared it in advance. Which means that as we follow him and listen to him, regardless of what things may look like, that we can rest in knowing if he prepared those good works in advance, I'm pretty sure he has all the details covered. Meaning, 
Actually, I'm certain. He has all the details covered, even though I don't always act like I'm certain. And I know that God is a faithful God. Because I think that a lot of times we can look at it and we go, well, God, you're calling me to this, but I don't have the money. I don't have the means. I, don't, I, need, the, I need the people. But he already saw that. And he's bringing them. You know, you may say, well, you don't know what the doctor said. Oh, but he does. And here's the reality. He prepared you, prepared in advance for you. Good works to do. So regardless, he has the means. He's got it all. Everything that you, uh, everything that you need, even the opportunity. I really felt like it was important. Many of you have probably heard this if you've been part of Impact at all for very long. But even thinking back to when, when we felt like God was leading us out to start impact, we had nothing. And by nothing, I mean nothing. When we moved, no job. When we moved, just bills. We started off, moved in with my parents because we were waiting on our house in McAllister to sell where we moved from. And we waited for three and a half years for that to sell. But God. But God. Because God knew the bills. God knew the people. We came in with an original date in mind. And all we had was a vision of what we knew God had placed in our heart. And, you know, two questions we were asked when we moved here. And we began sharing what God put in our heart. Are you a church split? No. And the second one was, do you realize how many churches are already in this town? And at that time, there were 123. Which I proceeded to say, yes, I do. I actually Googled that. I talked to the Lord about that, and he still he kept telling us Paris, but God. So maybe you're in here today, I don't know, and you have a dream. You have something God's stirring in your heart, or you're facing a wall in your life, but God, because he sees it all. We didn't put the people around us. You wouldn't, I mean, 25 people that surrounded us when we first felt the Lord leading us out and had an original date in mind, and it got delayed, and we're both like, what's going on? That the timing, there are people that are here at this church that told us the timing that we started, it just was the right timing. So it's one of those things. Had we done what our original plan was, had we been that canvas trying to tell the painter what to do, it wouldn't have gone the way it has. Has it been easy? No, but God, because he covers it. And he if it's a dream he's placed in your heart, you can be sure that he's going to carry it out. He's going to provide for it. If it's, a, if it's a marriage that's struggling, if it's finances, if it's, health, if it's health issues, you can be certain your God is the same God I serve. And with him, all things are possible. That you can say, but God, and leave the dot, dot, dots out. Not, but God, do you not see? Yes, he sees. He sees. But he covers it all. He covers it all. I just walked away from my notes, and I'm like, all right, Lord. So we watched this video on Friday, and uh, there was a quote that the, girl, the lady said in it, and it just went so perfectly with this, that we were never called to carry the weight of our results, but we are called to rest in the resurrection. And I think that a lot of times, I know for us, it's easy to get caught up in the weight of the results. Well, well what about this? Well, the results didn't turn out like I thought it was, but I can rest in the resurrection that he did it all, and he will lead us every step of the way. Every step of the way. Verse 10 goes on to say, we are his workmanship. 
In the Greek, that literally means a person of notable excellence. Workmanship, a person of notable excellence. How beautiful is that? We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared ahead of time for us to do. And you may say, I don't look excellent, or I don't feel excellent, or I'm not excellent at anything, but that's not what God says. That you are a person of notable excellence because you are his workmanship. Each one of us are his workmanship. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone, I, love it, I just caught it again on our Made New Weekend. This is the scripture that we base it off of. If anyone is in Christ that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior. This is the amplified version. I love how it amplifies what, what I believe he's trying to say here. He is a new creature. Reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, those previous moral and spiritual conditions, oh, those have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. Gabriel hit on this a while back, how we need to wake up. And we've been praying that, that there will be a spiritual awakening over this city, over this nation, over our church. But how often we can operate from that old place. And, and not even old bad things, but even old good things. Um, I was reminded of, as I was reading over my notes, I was reminded of um, my nephew. He's got these shoes that he completely loves, okay? But they are probably, I don't know, like two sizes too small. I couldn't even tell you exactly how small. But he insisted on wearing them. They looked uncomfortable, but he loved them. And his mom took him yesterday. Um, he wanted to stay with me, which always makes my heart happy. But um, he wanted to stay with me, but, he said, but she said, we've got to go get new shoes. You have to try on new shoes. Well, what he didn't realize was that she was taking him to get something that was going to be even better. But he was clinging to the old because they felt comfortable. And I think that there are things, even good things in our life, not just sinful things, but even good things where the season's passed. And you got to let it go. Realize that some things, Scripture tells us, I believe in Ecclesiastes, there's time and a season for everything, good and bad. It, it, I mean, it's just that way, but there's a time and a season for everything. And sometimes there's good things that just the season's over. And you got to release it and let it go and put on the new. Know that, I'm going to be honest, when we first stepped out, I was, my heart hurt leaving the people that we loved there. But we knew God was calling us out and had no doubt about it. But that knowing that I could trust our Father's heart for us, I was worried about our kids. How would they feel? But he cares about their hearts, my heart, all of us more than I do. And so knowing that if he's taking you into something new, you can trust his heart for you. And it may be uncomfortable at first because how many of you know you wear those shoes? It's a little uncomfortable at first, but it's, it's something better. It's something better. It fits for the right season. Our identity, it determines our actions. And, and I think that a lot of times we'll, we'll base our identity more off of what, what we see around us what people are saying to us, even good things, like looking for those affirmations constantly to feed what we, who we are when we are who he says we are, regardless of what people say. Not that affirmations from others aren't good, but that those should be an additive to what God already says. You're standing on who God says you are. 
It's not about what we see around us or even, truthfully, the way we see ourselves sometimes. We don't see ourselves through the lens of what God says about us. We see ourselves through the cracks we see in ourselves, the the discrepancies we see in ourselves. But that's not what God said. He said we're his workmanship, a person of notable excellence. And here's the promise that in verse 10, what God started, he will finish. In the Greek, there, if you actually study in the Greek about it, I'm, I'm a little bit of a word nerd. I love words. I, I realize as more time goes on, I get it from my dad because he does this word of the day thing where he gets it sent to him. And then he randomly tries to use it in sentences. And we're like, what are you even talking about? But he loves it because he loves to learn new words. So if you hear me telling definitions, it's probably because of that because of him like I just I just love it I find it so interesting but the Greek of this says the word is poeme which comes from God is writing a poem if you study the word poeme it's like a writing of a poem so in life God is writing a poem in your life he's writing a poem through the hard through the good he's writing a poem And it tells us that he has already prepared these good works for us. And just like I said, that as long as we submit it to him, Lord, if you prepared in advance these works, then he's prepared for it. You might not be. And sometimes I think he actually prepares us and we don't even realize it. He's been preparing us. But he prepares us. He provides. As he prepares, he provides whatever is needed whatever is needed but verse 11 back to verse 11 so then remember that at one time you were gentiles in the flesh so he's telling us remember you were sinners you once didn't know me called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised which is done in flesh by human hands and i believe that what god says about us we find that freedom to walk in those good works i think about rahab there's so many people in the bible you could talk about that once were but were made new Okay, but I think about Rahab and, you know, she had the opportunity presented to her to hide two people that were coming to do good for the Lord. Now, she could have operated because she was known by all around her. You're a prostitute. She could have sat there and said, I'm nothing but a prostitute. Who am I? But she saw an opportunity that she could take. And the fruit of that decision to obey God not only save those two men, but change the trajectory of her future and her children's future. And I believe that for many of us today, he's telling you, stop living in what you used to be. Stop holding on to what Rahab's was a prostitute, what Paul's was the killer. I mean, if you, I've heard many say, oh, I've just, if I could just be like Paul. I'm like, you want to be the good of Paul? I don't want all the stuff he went through. But what Paul had to realize was God was calling him out. And he wasn't going to see the wall of the reasons why he couldn't spread God's love everywhere. He saw the window. And some of us today, we need to stop looking at, well, the wall, the wall. I once did this and everybody knows me as this. How could I do that? I once, I mean, Moses stuttered, yet he led people. I mean, I could go on and on, but for time's sake, we won't. Look for the window. God's created a window with every wall you see. Look for the window. Ask God, show me the window. We have, so as parents, we have four kids. Sorry, I was seeing if they were in here. As parents, we have four kids. And I'm going to be honest, parenting is one of the most humbling things I have ever walked through in my life. 
But we were walking through a season with one of our children, and we were like at this place. <laughs> I literally, I can't tell you, I was telling a friend, like, I'm out. I'm out, like I got nothing. And she had mentioned how it's kind of like, and I referred to this actually in our flourish night, um, how it's kind of like with chess, it's that checkmate. I mean, I was going checkmate. I got nothing, Lord. Show me, help me. But that's where he wants us, where he's going, are you done yet? Because I made them, and I know them, and I want to help you. And he wants us at that place. There's a scripture, I cannot remember where it's at, but it talks about how when we're, it, it, I, th- I believe it's part of the Beatitudes, if I'm, I may be wrong. But it, it's part of where it says basically that when we're at the end of our rope, then that's where God comes in. So maybe you're at the end of your rope with some things and you're like, I've tried it all. Awesome. But God. Because here he comes. And I'm going to be honest. We were at that place and I cried. <laughs> and I prayed in desperation. And truthfully, my mom came to me and she's like, something's different. I'm like, I know, I don't know what happened. God happened. That's what happened. Not Amanda's steps. Not a, I kept saying, if I could just get in their head a little bit and see what they're thinking. I didn't need in her head. He was already there. And we've watched him. Is it all fixed? No. But God. But God. I didn't even share that in first service. Obviously, somebody needed to be reminded of that, or maybe he just wanted to remind me. We as Christians must be in alignment with Christ, and this is how we do it. This. His words. I often wake and I just say, God, your will, your way. Less of me, more of you. I believe that in in verse 12, Verse 12 goes on to say, At that time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel. Now at that time, when I was studying this, from what I understood, okay, Israel actually represented the church. And, and so he's telling us, At that time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel. And if I'm wrong, forgive me, y'all, y'all go look and study yourself. Don't take my word for it, okay? And the foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. Can you give me a tissue? Somebody, please, thank you. So he was reminding, I believe that he was reminding us once again as believers. Thank you. I believe he was reminding us that once as believers, he's saying, hey, believers, hey, daughter, son of mine, don't forget. Remember where you once came from. Because it's easy for us to get our flesh to kind of rise and get judgmental of those that may not be walking in the way of Christ. But we got to remember where we came from. Or even maybe you're like me and you say, well, I was raised and I didn't live a sinful life. Oh, but remember, think about where you could have been had it not been him. That we don't get judgmental or anything about it. So verse 13 and 14 goes on to say, But now in Christ... Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who made both groups one. Oh, here we go. And he tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh. That we recognize, one, he is our peace. He's not just a peacemaker. I have a few of those in my life. My mama is one, and I'm so thankful. But he is peace. He is the prince of peace, Scripture tells us. So he's our peace. But right before that, it goes on to say that we were brought near by the blood. We were brought near. 
We were brought near not because, Robert, you know all the right things to do to get near him. Um, We were brought near not because, Kim, you figured it out and I'm, I'm getting near him, but by the blood of Christ, his blood that he shed a long time ago. So we were brought near by the blood and he tore down the dividing wall. So God's already tore down that dividing wall of hostility. The Jews, actually, when I began reading about this, it was actually this wall was referred to because the Jews actually once had placed a physical wall around the temple, which held a sign that says, Gentiles, do not enter. You're responsible for your own death, if you did, if they did, if they entered. But good news is, is that God not only tore down that physical wall that said he loves Jews, Gentiles just the same, I mean, here we are as a church, and we say, come one, come all. Whatever your past, whatever your present, come in, because Jesus loves us all. He doesn't have a preference on one of us. He loves us all. I believe that today, maybe you don't have that physical wall, but maybe you have those mental walls. Maybe it's against people. Maybe you have your own internal prejudice that you struggle with, whether it be because of someone's color or their background, whether educated or uneducated, whether male or female, whatever it is, but that we can build our own walls. I mean, we see it happening right now in this world. But God desires unity, and this unity we find in salvation should be greater than any of our own preferences, whether cultural, ethnicity, because here's the reality of it. The reality of it is this. We are one race, which is human, and with one problem, which is sin, with one solution, and that's Jesus. And one hope, and that's the resurrection. And may we rest in that today, that we are one race and we're all human, in need of God's grace, saved by his grace. God never intended for us to be divided. Um, 1 John 1, 7 in the Passion Translation actually says, but if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds him, we share unbroken fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, continually cleanses us from all sin. Talk about a wall being torn down. 1 John 1, 7. I did that. She didn't do it. I keep throwing her for loop on this between me speaking. They're great. Amazing. These people behind that wall over there, they're amazing. They keep this stuff running, and we're so thankful. Um, so verse 16 through 18. Verse 16 through 18. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace. Oh, there it is again. To you who were far away and peace to those who were near because we all need his peace. Amen. For through him we both have access. In one spirit to the Father. We have access. If he is within you, you have access today. You need peace? Good news. You already have the key to it. Him. He is peace. He's got it for you. You need wisdom? He is wisdom. Amen? We all have access. Acts 1, 8 tells us that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. God sending his son Jesus to die on the cross not only brings people near to God, but it's to bring us near to each other. Just as what was once Jews, Gentiles, walls separating. We don't have a wall 
around our church. And I hope, even though you don't see a physical wall, that there are no other walls that make people not feel welcome here. Because regardless, we want every color, every background, because Jesus loves us all. Amen? When we have such divisions, such as racial, ethnic, gender, class, I have to wonder if we even are properly understanding or focused on the cross. Because the word says that he tore the veil. And that cross, it obliterated. Like, think of blowing up, my boys, just boys, when they watch something blow up, they laugh hysterically. But we can think of it like that. When Jesus died on the cross, he obliterated, blew it up. He didn't just kind of like knock a little bit of it down. He blew it up, anything that could separate us from it. Because his word says nothing can separate us from his love. He obliterated it. Through Christ, we have unity, not uniformity. And I think that a lot of times we can get focused on, we really, if we get real about it, myself included, I'm looking for more uniformity. And when I get frustrated, it's because I'm focused on uniformity, not unity. Because unity doesn't mean, hey, we're all the same. But unity means we're all running the same race, which is him. We're all for the same cause, which is God. Just like within these churches, I am praying for bridges to be built between these churches in this city, in the nation. Because here's the reality. We're all for one cause, and that's for Jesus. For people that need to know him. And for us, even as believers, to help us walk and follow hard after him. Verse 22. In him. This is beautiful. I'm not skipping verses because they're not important. They're all important. I encourage you, go back. I hope that you're doing the reading with us as a church. Keep reading through Ephesians as we do this series. But in 22, it says, In him you are also being built together. For God's dwelling in the Spirit. So I want to encourage you, place your name there. In him. I, Jamie, I'm being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. I, Angie, am being built together for the dwelling of His Spirit. You're being built together. I, Jeff, am being built together for the dwelling of His Spirit. Belief in Jesus brings a unifying power. Really, if you look at it, we're really each just a brick to a building, but each brick is needed. God is the church, but the church is more than just this corporate gathering. Because when it's over, we still march on as the church. We say that consistently. Church is way more than just meeting here. This is important. But what we, how we represent the church, not just impact, how we represent the church as a whole. Because we are the temple of God and we're representing him when we go out. How we live, how we love, we're representing him. Maybe today you say, I feel dirty, I feel weak. But the good news is God does not accept us based on how we feel or what we see. But based on what he says and what he already did. He already did it. He obliterated the wall. So regardless of what you see, he obliterated it. Look for the window. He obliterated it. He has provided for you. He loves you deeply. He obliterated the wall that separates, separates us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Lastly, just to sum it up, God brings life to death and light to darkness. You feel death? 
Good news. He brings life. God is life. And if you don't feel like there's life within you, the prayer team's going to be coming forward, and I encourage you, ask them to pray life. And you speak it over yourself. I am made alive in him. We are no longer dead, but we're made alive in Christ. We have a new identity in Christ. And we are called to operate from the place of what he says about us, not what we think about ourselves or what others may say. Ask him, am I walking in the identity that you've given me? He'll show you. He will talk to you. He will tell you. Our actions should show where we find our identity. God prepared good works for us to do, and we don't do those to earn anything, but simply because he already paid it all for us to do those good works. He already paid it all. And when we're focused upon him, we desire to walk out what he's calling us to. Even if we feel afraid, hey, that's human nature, feel afraid. But I will not walk in fear. I will walk in obedience, knowing greater is he who is in me than he that is in this world. Diagnosis, great news. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He tore down the wall. And last but not least, he has torn down the wall so we can be unified. God desires unity. Will you stand with me? God desires unity. Not only in our church, in our homes, in this city, in this nation. He desires unity. There are times when Gabriel and I will be walking through a season and it's just like, man, we're not driving. <laughs> and sometimes I just pray, God, give us unity. Bring unity. And he does. He will. Ask him, bring unity in my home. Those moments when we have that, it's not because we love each other any less, but we want unity. And, and a lot of times, honestly, probably me more than him, is it's because I'm not focused on him the way I needed to, and I'm getting off. Ask him, am I focused on you? Am I operating out of the identity I have in you? Am I pursuing unity? In my home, in my marriage, in the church, God desires unity. He wants that for us. There is power when his people come together and realize that we are here for the same thing. As you know, as Impact, many of you, some of you may not know, every year we serve before we were even a church officially meeting together on Sundays. But every year for the last five years, we have had a serve day. But today, as we were standing down there, as I was standing down there and worshiping, I thought, what would happen if in the next year or two, we began to see not just our church, but every church in this city. Get out in different colors, different churches, and there's not even people in their homes because we're all out doing it for one another. Every business, every corporation, every bit of it covered and being loved on. Come on, it is not about what church we go to. We're all here for the same cause, Jesus. And this world needs Jesus. We need Jesus. We don't need more money. We don't need more fame. We need Jesus. Because without him, we are nothing. We are dead. But you are made alive in him today. So don't listen to the lie that you're dead. You're not dead. 
He is raising you up. He will bring life where there feels like there's death. He loves you, and he already tore down the wall. This is half of the original wall. But he didn't just tear down part of the wall. He tore it all down. And I know, once again, I know that this scripture is talking about the Jews and Gentiles. But I believe that there's some walls the Lord wants to tear down in your life. Mentally, emotionally, physically, he wants to tear them down. He wants to give you new eyes and new ears and a fresh heart. Just like Ezekiel says, he creates a new heart, a new spirit within us. Ask him, give me a new heart. You may have been saved for a long time and he wants to stir it. Let him stir it up today. Out with the old, in with the new. Ask him, is there something good that you just need out? Even good. Sometimes good things got to go because he's got something greater. We moved, not because the old was bad. God was doing things, but he was ready for something new. And thank God, my mind has been blown. Literally, we were out at serve day. There's Robert. We were out at serve day yesterday, and Robert went and prayed for a man we're there not to just feed them physically we go out in this community so that we can just love on his people but he went and prayed with the man and he said what church are you from and he said impact he said man I went to that church three years ago I had just been in a car wreck and they told me I never walk they told him a lot of things and Robert I don't even know the whole conversation he was just telling me about it but that this man said as he stood there mind you walked there didn't ride in a car there walked there said I'm gonna be honest it freaked me out a little bit I've never had something happen to me like that that's the kind of God we serve the but God because it's not about our church it's about his people obeying and being willing to pray being willing to ask because his word says that when we seek we will find are you seeking are you knocking? Because that door will be opened. Maybe you feel like, well, every time I read the word, I don't understand. Keep reading it. He's talking. Are you listening? He's changing things. He's shifting. I believe that he has us in a season. I, he has us in a season where he's shifting us. Not because where you were was bad, but he's taking us deeper. He's drawing us out further into the water because it just gets better. Let him take you deeper today. And more than anything I said today, ask him what he, what he wants to say to you. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you are a God of unity. You are a God that tears down the walls, that died on that cross, knowing that we would mess it up so many times, but you love us deeply. God, I pray right now for unity in this church. I pray right now for unity in this city. I pray right now for unity in this nation, for walls to be torn down, for shifts to happen. Because it doesn't matter who's there and who's not there and what's happening. We say, but God, oh, but my God, I will not place limitations on you today. I will not box you in, but I will call you out knowing that you, God, are the all-powerful God. 
that tore down the wall that loves us deeply and only because of your great mercy and grace. We thank you for that, not because we deserve it, but because you just love us. God, I pray as you call us out into deeper waters, as you call us to make shifts in our life and let go of the old, some old things, bad things, some old things, even good things, but because you want to give us something greater, just like that shoe. I pray, Lord, that we step into it, knowing that you, God, are a good God. And when you call us out, it's for greater. So, God, if we are being believers that are just wading in the water, that are even maybe just dipping our toes in that ocean, I pray, Lord, that you will give us the courage to swim, to seek so we will find, to knock so we can watch the door be open. Where there is fear to ask for healing, Lord, we ask for it again. We thank you, Lord, that you are the giver of good things. And I pray right now, Lord, that your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. We thank you, Lord, for that. And as we sing this last song, that you are a wonder-working God. We declare it today in faith. In Jesus' name. The prayer team's going to come forward, and I encourage you, whether you want to say it aloud or not, although I do believe there's power in allowing someone to specifically agree, but they don't have to know it all. Let them agree with you. Maybe today you just need, I need to, I need to be alive today. I need to feel alive. Maybe you need to accept Jesus as your Savior. Do that. Actually, I'm going to ask right now if there is anyone, if you will just bow your heads. I didn't do this in the first service, but I want to give an opportunity. If there is anyone that you do not know Christ as your Savior, that you say, I've never, I've never experienced this being made alive. I've always been dead. I've always felt lost. If you want to accept Him as your Savior, if you want to be made alive in Him today, will you just raise your hand? I see that hand. God sees your hand, and that's all that matters. If everyone will just repeat after me, once again, in unity, one voice, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I ask you to come into my life. Make me alive today. Help me lay down the old and pick up the new that you have for me. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Will you give a round of applause for those that... Come on now. If that was you, I encourage you to tell someone today. But maybe today you say you know Jesus. But you're, you just, you want more. There are people that are here to agree with you. He wants to give you more. Not more earthly things, even though I do believe he wants to bless us that way. I said this recently. But ask him for more. He wants to give you so much. 
He wants to pour his love out on you. He wants to pour his, his grace out on you. So I invite you to come. And if you don't want to come today, if you feel led to come, I'm, I encourage you to pray and to ask him to show you if, if you're operating from an old identity or what someone else thinks or what you yourself think. Or that you simply just declare unity. Our nation needs unity, and it can and will have unity in Jesus' name. This city, unity. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you are the wonder-working God, that you heal, that you move because you love. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that we read of miracles in the Bible, but we thank you, Lord, that you said that greater works will we do than you even did on the earth. So God, I pray, Lord, that we not box you in, but we believe and we seek so that we will find. In Jesus' name, amen.